thank you so much that we're able to celebrate Mother's Day this morning. To honor mothers, they have a special place in my heart and in our hearts. We love mothers. Thank you for showing us the care that you gave to your mother. May we do the same. Father, we ask for your blessing on our services today. We ask that our hearts and our minds would be quieted and stilled for whatever the Holy Spirit may have for us. If there's someone here today, Father, that doesn't know you, may today be the day that they would put their faith and trust and belief in you. We love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to focus on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Dave. If you have your Bibles, open up into the book of Jonah this morning as we continue in our series of Jonah looking at a man who kind of goofed up. Would you all admit that? Would you all agree with me that Jonah kind of made a mess of things for himself? We learned last week that Jonah, in his rebellion against God, God had told him to go to those who were his arch enemies, those that they, he hated, those who were very belligerent in their culture and their society around there who come in and tried to take over in multiple different countries. And as they came in, they did very evil things to those that they conquered. So God had told Jonah, I want you to go talk to those people. But Jonah in his wisdom decided, I know better than God. Anybody else been there? <laughs> I know better than God what's good. So he goes down to the port of Joppa, jumps on a ship, and he travels 2,500 miles that way instead of going 500 miles that way. Did I get that right up there? Oh, there's no map up there yet. There we go. He tries to go 2,500 miles to Tarshish rather than 500 miles that way to obey the Lord. He jumps on a ship, he's going, and then we find out that God sends a storm. God sends a storm to talk to, to, not to talk to him, but to get his attention. Because Jonah was not doing as God desired. And last week we talked about, too, how this point of this book and point of many of the books and scriptures so that we learn not so much that the message that we take and that the things that we do are what's important to God, but that God is in it to change us and to bring us more in line with him, to shape us into his image and make us more godly, to bring us in line with his holy word. Yes, we're given tasks. Yes, Jonah was sent to go to Nineveh, but he, he chose to reject. Yes, we're, we're told to go different places and, told to, and, and, and invited to join God in the work that he's doing in VBS and in youth camp and all kinds of other stuff that we got going on here at our church and other places around the, the city. We're invited to join God in what he's doing, but he does it not so much so that we can get involved in those projects, but so that we can learn what is God going to do in us and through us, through being involved in those projects. Does that make sense? God is about the heart-changing business. He does not want us to stay the same where you, place where you are right now. There's a reason why Paul talks about when you were babies and you drank the milk, but now that you're older, you should be eating meat, but you're still immature in your faith and you're still drinking the milk. 
You need to move beyond that in your faith. If I was still at the point spiritually as I was 42 years ago when I became a believer, I imagine God would be sending me on a storm, <laughs> sending a storm my way, and saying, what is your problem? Now, many of you probably think that anyway. David, what is your problem? My wife thinks that often. What is your problem? But here I have moved, I have progressed in my walk spiritually. So hopefully God's not having to send a storm to get my attention. So here we're going to pick up the story this morning in Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. And we're going to look and see what is it that God has done to Jonah to help him to keep from choosing unwisely again in the future. If you remember the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movies, he, he walks up to this table, all these different cups are there, and he's got to choose the right cup, which is supposed to be the cup of the... The, what are they called? The Holy Grail that caught the blood of Christ supposedly on the cross. And that cup has some special... Anyway, in the movie, that's the way it goes in history and in uh, tradition. He's got to go up there and get the right cup, right? And the, the evil man walks up there first and he grabs the most beautiful, the most luxurious cup. And he goes, this must be the cup of Christ. He drinks out of it and then... <laughs> he chose unwisely. He was like... Jonah. <laughs> and then Indiana Jones walks up and grabs this cup, which is just a plain-looking cup, and picks it up, and he drinks out of it. And the knight who's there says, Oh, you chose wisely. And he survived and was able to save the day because he had the cup of Christ. Yay! Thanks for Indiana Jones. That's your cultural thing for this morning. But here we look at Jonah as God sends a storm letting him know that he has chosen unwisely in this point. Let's take a look at this. What does God do? Verse 4. It says, but the Lord... If I would, let's start back at verse 1. It's only three verses back. Let's go back and start from the beginning of the chapter. Verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. Remember, that means he, he basically chartered the whole ship. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish out of the way away from the presence of the Lord. And we pick up the story in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. And the mariners, or the sailors, were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea and lightened it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? <laughs> what are you doing, you idiot? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps that this God will give thought to us and that we may not perish. Now, take a look at what's going on here with Jonah. This sweet sleeper was caught up and he was down in the middle of the boat in the midst of the storm, ignoring all that was going on around him. Jonah not just got on the ship, was not just hanging out there playing, what's that, shuffleboard? He wasn't just playing shuffleboard with the other sailors. 
He had gone down in, into the innermost parts of the ship and was camped out, hiding from the presence of God, as if he could hide from God, as if getting down inside, God's not going to see me down in the hold. He's trying to hide away from the eyes of God. Didn't realize that God's like Superman. He's got x-ray vision. Second culture reference this morning. I'm getting good. Like Superman, able to see into the hold of the ship. Jonah's hiding out, and God says, I see you. You can't hide from me. He sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. How many of us have been in that same scenario? Where God gives you instructions, very clear instructions. Do something, don't do something. Flee from this sin, go talk to somebody, whatever it may be. And yet we have chosen to give God the hand. To tell God no. So God's got to get our attention. He sends a storm our way. Maybe it's not a life-threatening storm like Jonah was going through, but he sends a storm in our life to get our attention, to get us back on track where God wants us. Because remember, he's in the heart-changing, the life-changing business. He wants us to be more like him, to align our thoughts with his thoughts, to align our lives and the way we live our lives with him so that we can honor him with all that we do and say. He's about getting our attention. If you are going through a storm in your life right now, I, examine, I ask you to look at it and ask God, what are you doing? How are you wanting to get my attention today? That's very simple. Don't do like Jonah did and hide down in the innermost parts of the ship because you can't hide. I mean, the, the sailors there, the, my translation calls them the mariners. I always think you got sailors who are like me on, on a sailboat. Then you got the mariners. Those who were the real sails, those who were real seafarers. You have me on one hand who like can, can shoot a gun, then you have the hunters. You have those who can take a, a rod and a reel and they throw them out there and hope they catch something. Then you got those real fishermen who know exactly how to cast it and where to cast it and bring in the fish. You got those who... The golfers and sometimes like me who go out and you hit the ball and you hope it goes in the hole. And you got Joe who just hits it like that and it sinks every time. The real versus the fake. You haven't seen him do that. He's, he's pretty good. I'm not talking putt-putt. I'm talking real golf. These sailors were scared for their lives. The storm was so bad that they're calling out to their Personal family gods. If you look in your Bible, it talks about they're, they're called little G gods. These little gods. You know, in India, there's what, three, 300,000 different gods? You look, go into a house of an Indian, Indian person in, in the country of India, and they got on their mantle, they'll have little tiny statuettes of all these different gods that they pray to. Because they want to, if I need my crops to, to I, I get this problem in my house, my plumbing's bad, I'm going to pray to this God. If I've got a sickness, I'm going to pray to this God. If I've got uh, this financial issue, I'm going to pray to this God. And every single one, they has a little different power. So these gods, 
These sailors were praying to their little gods, going, maybe if we pray to enough of these gods, one of them will get, a, we can get the attention and they'll save us. They went down into the hold and the captain found Jonah and says, what are you doing sleeping? You idiot! Don't you know that we're about to die up here? Why don't you pray to your little family God and then maybe he'll save us, maybe he'll hear us. Sometimes when we come under problems in our own lives, we try to appease God. We know we serve the one true God. But what do we do when I'm going through a problem in my family and my life right now, so I'm going to give more money in church. I'm going to get on my knees more. I'm going to do something more. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. To got to get God's attention. When all he's saying is, Come to me. Just humble yourself and come to me. Next week, we're going to look at chapter 2, the prayer of Jonah, where he finally, in the midst, in the intestines of the fish, he finally gets to that point and says, God, I submit, I humble myself to you. We try so many times to do all these other things to make God happy with us, that maybe he'll take away the storm, take away the problem we're going through, when all he says is, I want you just to simply humble yourself and serve me. Humble yourself and follow me. Because it's not so much about what we're doing or the message we're taking, it's about what God is doing in us through the storms. Or maybe even how he wants to use us in the midst of the storm to impact someone else. What would it have been like if Jonah here in this, right here, knowing he's going against God, running away from God, God sends the storm. If he come up on deck and said, you know, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm with you. I'm afraid for my life. And I we all need to submit ourselves to God right now and preach the message of God's redemption to these men. See, as, Dan, as, as Jonah goes on, the storm gets their attention, but Jonah's not there yet. Look at verse 7. It says, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots. It's basically rolling dice or drawing straws. It says, so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Do we not think God can supernaturally control these events like this? The lot fell on Jonah. God says, you can't hide. It is your fault. And they said to him, tell us, what you, tell us on whose account this evil has come on us. What is your occupation? I love it. What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What's your country and what people are you? They begin interrogating him. They say, what have you done to bring this on us? What have you done to bring upon this calamity? We're all going to die because of you. Verse 9, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Not just a little family idol, a family altar, not just a little godlet, a little G-God, 
But I serve the God of heaven, the one who made all of this. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said, what is it you have done? And the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of God because he had already told them he was running away. They didn't know the extent, and, and they didn't know that, that in their minds, they're thinking, oh, you're running away from one of these little tiny gods, right? You're running away from some trouble. You're running away from a tax collector. You're running away from an ex-wife. You're running away from whatever. But he says, no, I'm running from now. He admits it. I'm running away from the God of heaven. And he is trying to get my attention. They said, what are you doing? How can you run away from this God? He is, if, the, if he is really who you say he is, if he is really the God of heaven who made the earth and made the sun and the stars and the moon and all that we see, and he controls it all, he controlled the, the little lot, the, the drawing of the straw, he controls everything like that. How do you think you can run away from his presence? You can't. We found you down in the hold of the ship, sleeping, hiding away. Now you're up on deck. We've tossed off all of our cargo. We're, we're trying to lighten the load. We're trying to just survive. And here you are thinking that you can run from the one who sent this. Verse 11. And they said to him, What shall we do? What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Tempestuous. More belligerent. More violent. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, that the sea may quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land. And they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. It's a good word against them. They said, Jonah, what do we need to do? If you're really serving this one true God, if you're really serving the God of heaven and earth, what do we have to do to make the seas calm? He says, throw me overboard. You get rid of me. My life is ended anyway. I've run away from God. Just toss me overboard. Let me die. Let me drown, and you'll be saved. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, God, I can't handle it anymore? This pressure that's on my shoulders, that you've, this storm that I'm in right now, I can't take it anymore. Let me just end it. Jonah felt that way. Jonah felt like, I'm causing all this trouble. I'm causing all this grief. I'm causing pain and conflict and on these men. And it's all my fault. It's better if I just end it now. Throw me overboard. I'll die. And they'll be able to get on with their lives. And hopefully they'll be saved. And God will take mercy on their souls. And I'll just sink into the midst of the sea. And they'll be better off for it. But God has other plans for Jonah. Therefore, so but the men rode harder. And verse 14, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, do let us not perish for this man's life, and let, not, let, us not, 
Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea. Look at the very next phrase. And the sea ceased from its raging. The very minute they picked him up, tossed him, you wonder if while he's still in the air, it just gets calm. And so instead of Jonah hitting the waves, he just lands on a splash. And he's hanging out there in, in the middle of the ocean now. All right, no longer uh, windy and stormy. Um, what's going on? And then, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, at that point they realized they weren't just serving one of these little tiny godlets on a mantle. At this God that Jonah served was the God. This was the one true God. Kind of like Nebuchadnezzar after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fiery furnace. His eyes were opened and he's like, yeah, your God is powerful. You serve the one true God. All throughout Scripture you see this where God has placed people and done massive mighty things to get a hold of men's hearts. And I love it. This is, they began, get back there. The men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to God and made vows. They committed their lives at that point. Said, God, you are more. There's something about you that's different. See, if the world looks at us and they don't know that we serve a God that is different, there's something wrong. If the world looks at us, if your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your coworkers and those who are around you don't notice that there's something different with your life because of who you serve, then there's something wrong. Something wrong on inside. Verse 17. God used a nightmare. <laughs> you ever dreamt about the worst way to die? You ever thought about that? Being eaten alive, burned alive, whatever it may be. Imagine Jonah's worst nightmare, being sucked into the mouth of a fish and hanging out down there until you just died. See, God used Jonah's worst nightmare to get him exactly where he needed to be. Verse 17. Jonah's hanging out in the, in the water. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish. We don't know if it was a whale. We don't know what kind of great fish it was. We just know it was a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And three nights. Hanging out in the intestines. Hanging out a place that was not very comforting. But God used this in Jonah's life to get him back on track exactly where God wanted him to get him right back on track where he needed to be. And I'm sure Jonah, if it had been you and me, I'm sure Jonah thought his life was over. He thought it was all done. God, I disobeyed you. I tried to run away. 
I'm now thrown into water. Now I'm sucked into the gullet of this fish. And now I'm literally fish food. And I'm bound to just be digested slowly. He thought it was over. You ever thought that about yourself? That your life, God had to take you so far, that you traveled so far away. But you know what's cool? God never gave up on Jonah. Through all this, all this running away, all this hiding out, all this hanging out in the bottom of the boat, finally coming up and confessing, yeah, I'm, I'm running from the God of heaven. God never gave up on Jonah. Jonah gave up on God. Jonah gave up on his gift. Jonah gave up on his occupation as a prophet. Jonah gave, gave up on his task. But God never gave up on Jonah. See, to me, that's so encouraging. I've got family, and I'm sure we all have the same story. I've got family that have rejected God for years. They refuse to see God. They refuse to see the truth. And yet, God has not given up on them. Until the day they die, there is hope. There is hope that they will see the truth and submit themselves to Christ. Even if it's for 30 minutes or an hour or just a few days, there is hope. See, one, I love the story in Scripture where the, the, the parable that Jesus tells where the farmer goes out and he hires these hands at the beginning of the day to come and work his fields. He says, okay, I'm going to pay you one day's wage to come and work my fields. And then he goes out at 9 o'clock and he, he guys with small workers and he says, okay, come on out and come work my fields and I'll pay you a full day's wage to come work from 9 o'clock on. They're like, all right. He goes out at noon and hires some more workers to come and work and says, come on out, work my fields the rest of the day with me and I'll pay you a full day's wage. All right, a full day for half a day's work. He goes out at 3 o'clock and he hires some more and they come in and he says, I'm going to pay you a full day's wage. Come and work the rest of the day with me. I need some more help. At the end of the day, when he gets ready to give out all the, pay all the paychecks, everybody gets the same amount. Those he that hired at 6 o'clock in the morning were given 100 bucks. Those that came at 9 o'clock were given $100. Those that came at 12 were given 100 bucks. Those that came at 3 were given 100 bucks. And the ones of the early days, what's, what's going on? Why are you paying them the same as us? We worked all day long, and yet you're paying them the same amount. He says, it's not about what you're pay, getting paid. It's that you get to be in the presence of the Master. See, as we, those of us, I've been a Christian now for 42 years. Someone who gets saved at the end of their life gets the same benefit that I do. If I live my whole life serving God, when I die, I may say, we'll say 65, 75, 85, 95, if I live that long, or like my grandma, almost 104 years old, if I live that long, my benefit is heaven. My, my reward is heaven. My reward is the presence of God. And yet somebody who finds God late in life turns their heart over to him, commits their hearts to him, their benefit is 
heaven. Their benefit is the presence of God. Their benefit is they, we get to sup together. We get to have enjoy life, eternity together. We get to enjoy the rest of our eternal lives together with God. So God doesn't give up on people. He always, always, always. I know that we're never supposed to use those, those words, right? The, the always and never. You're never supposed to use always and never. But God always holds out hope for people. Until a person dies. And then they pass into the afterlife. We talk about eternal life, right? We talk about how you receive Christ and you'll get eternal life. We're all going to live somewhere. The question is, where are you going to live? In the presence of God or away from Him? In a place He is not made for us. The Bible says He has made hell for Satan and his demons. He didn't make hell. He's not making hell for us to go spend eternity in, for His creation to spend eternity in. That is a place of judgment set up for Satan and his demons. Heaven is our home. Heaven is what he has made for us. But if people choose to reject him, he says, there's only one place for you to go out of my presence. You're going to live either in heaven, spend eternal life in heaven, or have eternal life in hell away from the presence of God and suffering for all of eternity. And I don't say that to scare anybody. I say it to say that there is hope. That God is always holding out hope. Even when Jonah thought there was no hope and he's on the boat and the storm is all around him and he's rejected God, he's rejected all the truth that's there, he knows what he's got to do. And yet he's running 2,500 miles away to get away from the presence of God. God says, I see you. There is hope. Come back to me. Let me restore you. So that's our message today. No matter where you are in your relationship with God, no matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, he's holding out his hand. Maybe you haven't spent the time in God's word that you need to spend. Maybe you've been running your own life, trying to run your own life for the past months and years. And it's time to come back and say, God, I've been running. Tarshish has been calling my name. I've been running on that boat trying to hide from the presence of God. And God says, I love you. I desire a relationship with you. Stop running. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe in your own life, you look at your life and say, I've never committed my life to Christ. I've never committed my life to God. I've never gotten to that point in my life where I say, I want to serve the God of heaven who made heaven and earth. I've been serving these little godlets on my mantle. I don't pray to them, but I've been trying to do good works and you have an alm here and an alm there and a tithe here and a tithe there, helping take care of people and thinking that's going to get my way to heaven. And God's saying, no. Those little godlets have no power. They're useless. They're just statues. They're blind and deaf. And then you need to come to me. And no matter where you are this morning in your relationship, 
God's there, reaching out, calling out to you. He desires you and desires that relationship with you. Jeffy, you bow your heads or close your eyes this morning. Just before we pray and sing a final song, I want to ask you a couple questions. Nobody looking around. You'd say, Pastor, in my life, I can identify with Jonah. I've been running. I've been running from what you wanted me to do in my own life. I've been running from your presence, trying to hide in the hold of the ship, trying to control my own life. And God, I need you in my life today. I want to commit my life for the first time to you today. I need to receive you as my Lord and Savior this morning to give up my sins, to follow you with all that I have, all that I am. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Thank you. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I'm in another camp this morning. I've been a believer for a while, but I've been running from you. I've been running from God, rather. I've been trying to live my life my own way. I believe God's word, but I don't follow it. I believe there's a God of heaven and earth, but I don't talk to him. I don't follow him. I do my own thing. And this morning you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God this morning. Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Pastor, I need to get my life right with God and recommit myself to him. Thank you. Maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor, I, I'm going through a storm in my own life and I don't know what it's about. I feel like my life has been turned upside down. I feel like our, I'm, I'm about to sink, I'm about to go under. And I have no clue what's going on. I've been trying to follow God with the best of intentions. I've been trying to do all I can do. I, I need God's strength to help me get through this storm. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, there's a storm going on. I need his, God, the strength of God to get through it. Don't want to do it in my own strength, in my own power. Thank you. Lord Jesus, this morning, as we come before you, acknowledging that, God, you are creator God. You are almighty. You are powerful. And Lord, we declare by faith this morning that, God, we are your children. And we desire to follow you and for some in this room, God, there are storms they feel like they're going through. Their, their lives are, are, are in turmoil. They're going through mental anguish, physical anguish, Lord God. And I pray for them this morning that you would help them to get through this time in their life. That they would recommit to following you, not in their own strength, but as we lay it out there on the table, God, we ask you to take it and show us why these storms are taking place. And help, help us, Father, to get not only get through them, but let you be glorified through the storm.
as we read over the next few weeks and we study together how in the end, Lord, you get glorified as a result of Jonah getting his heart right. You get glorified as a result of Jonah finally getting turned around and going to the people of Nineveh. You get glorified in spite of the storm. The end result, Father, is we want to bring you glory and honor through all that we do and say. Let us by faith turn to you. Let us by faith walk in your power and be led by the Holy Spirit every single day to trust you in spite of the attack, in spite of our emotions and our natural inclinations. Lord, by faith we trust you and we make those declarations every single day. Help us, Father God, to turn to you to stay true to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing one final song this morning.